Hello and welcome to another of our short podcasts focused on the event industry. I'm Martin Blunt. And in this episode, well, once again, we're looking at sustainability. Now, in the last couple of episodes, we've looked at how different organisations are evolving their businesses to be more sustainable. Well, this time we have some very hands-on practical solutions. My guests are uh, Corinna Yant and Chantel Kerr-Shepard from Event Cycle. Welcome to you both. Hi, thank you for having us. The obvious first question is always, how did it all start and what is the service that you offer? We we basically started right out of the, the pandemic, well, pr- pretty much still in the pandemic, to be honest. Both Chantal and I, we met at a marketing experiential agency. Chantal was an event director. I used to be in technical production management. And, you know, we very much experienced events and what they were all about including everything from the start of of design of creative of budgets of um you know client restrictions venues etc up all the way to the build and then the the age old question well what do we do with the stuff that we've built after the event and uh yeah both Chantel and I came together and we had a conversation about how surely there must be someone doing something about all of this stuff that gets left behind at the same time, we were volunteering quite a bit and uh, realized it wasn't just about money or volunteering time as to what charities needed. So we put two and two together and uh, that's sort of the origins of Event Cycle and, and where we started. And um, we launched January 2021 and haven't really stopped since. So what sort of things do you now get up to? What, what is the sort of day-to-day routine So we're working with everybody from agencies to suppliers to direct end clients and we either work with them right from the very beginning, working with them to integrate social strategies into their event. By by that we mean integrating social value, um, using social enterprises to either build stuff or um, identifying them as a route for items after the event has taken place. Or we can come in in the middle and talk about all the stuff that they might have coming off an event so we can try and prepare it and circulate it to the local area or they come to us right at the end, perhaps when they're on site or when it's gone back to the warehouse and we look at the list of materials and we make sure that it has an onward route to charities, community groups, social enterprises and schools. So I have to admit, I'm probably one of the people that have phoned you and gone, I've got this. And maybe I should engage with it earlier, but you have been wonderful uh, at those. We've got a load of this. Can you help? Maybe you could give us some sort of examples of, of the, the sort of things you've been able to repurpose. <laughs> oh, I mean, I think it's easier to say what we haven't done. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, we we get everything from glassware, furniture, decorations, building materials, paint, scaffolding, scaffolding boards, uh, stationery, um, you name it, we've probably done it. I mean, yeah, there's there's not much that hasn't come off of an event, which is no longer shocking to us, but it was quite a surprise at the start. I, I've got this vision of the two of you sitting in this, you know, almost <laughs> Steptoe's yard, you know, surrounded by just <laughs> shelves full of stuff. I'm sure, it, I'm sure it's not quite like that, though. Makes it sound like we're aerial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not quite like that because we don't actually have a warehouse. Um, we take stuff directly from the site of the event and deliver it directly to the charities. So there's no in-between, there's no cost for storage and we're um, affecting, giving items to the local area as quickly as we can and with as least transport emissions as possible. 
There must have been a few things that have surprised you. You must have had a couple of calls and gone, what are we going to do there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, spill the beans. I mean, we had one one of our earlier projects where we were tasked with a, I want to say, one meter fifty diameter golden ball and chain. And <laughs> it was just so random. It came off of a shop front and... <laughs> like what charity might want a golden ball and chain but it so happened that um one of the charities that we were donating something else to um came wrong and uh <laughs> we were telling them what sort of stuff we do and they were like wait you know this 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 ball and chain does it float we were taken aback by that because why um but uh <laughs> i mean uh, they are a, a charity that is all about water sports and um helping the community engage in that and um they were like it's our golden anniversary and it looks very much like a water boy so now it's floating in their lake in islington oh amazing <laughs> <laughs> i guess you just have to you know, talk to people People tell you stuff and, and you learn stuff. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, our, our organisations that we work with um, all across the UK and globally are all very creative. Um, and even down to the tiny little things, we do a lot of graphics repurposing and we can make it into bags and pencil cases and it can go to people who work with fabrics, help sewing classes. But the cutest example is from the Commonwealth Games. There's a hedgehog charity that needed to make some sunshades and they didn't have any fabrics. So the... Commonwealth Games material that was on the side hoardings for the cycling event, now a tiny sunshade for hedgehogs in Birmingham. <laughs> That's very cute, I have to say. Right, there, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Animals always win. <laughs> are there photos? I mean, there must be somewhere, I'm sure. We'll learn. We, we, we have got, photos, yes. <laughs> we got a video of a, of a little hedgehog just turning its head in some, in some newspaper shavings, and it's very cute. <laughs> you must have great fun doing this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a whole different world than what it used to be, um, at least uh, for for both of us. Um, but no, it's a lot of fun and it's so rewarding as well because you 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 get all of these random items. Uh, another one that I can think of is a, a replica of a tube carriage, and you have to think of who could be interested in it, and um, that's sort of the creative placement of what other people might interpret or what they could use those items for which is a lot of fun what did you do with that i have to ask <laughs> it went to a a community group that uses it for um as a reading nook for children and as a community space for for people to hang out it's pretty it's cool neat. but it's the whole thing with like chairs and the the poles and everything oh wow I quite like that. Just anyway, that's. I don't want. <laughs> please don't deliver one to my house. I haven't got space. <laughs> okay. Um, don't worry. We always ask beforehand. <laughs> um, it gets more creative as well because um, we often get requests to build stuff as well. So we get the social enterprises involved in making items. We've got a wall being made at the moment, a mesh wall, which is going to be covered in fabric. The mesh wall has been made by a social enterprise. The fabric has come off other events and then the fabric is going to be tied onto a wall by another social enterprise, um, which is going to be used at an event. And then the fabric will come off and be reused for another event and the wall will stay in their storage and it will be continued to, be continued to be used rather. Your contact book must be enormous. Yes. <laughs> it's also eclectic. <laughs> it's so much more varied than... I would have ever expected it to be. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> thought we'd just start off with furniture and stationery, all the kind of usual things. We never thought we'd be in the realms of creating 
items for events, nor using graphics for tiny hedgehogs. I was going to say, when you kind of envisage the charity or your organisation and you were doing the voluntary work, I can't imagine that you were able to project forward in your mind and see this model. It must have been something that evolved or, or was this always the plan? I mean, we haven't strayed too far from what we had originally anticipated. I mean, originally we wanted to do a platform where the events industry could also access the items. But our problem is, A, charities are very quick with snatching stuff up. So for us, it was always a priority for charities to get items before it actually goes into the events industry. But um, yeah, it, that's just that's just where it happened. And, and also the other part is that a lot of our clients are very protective of their creative rights and um, and would rather see items go to charity as opposed to have some monetary value uh, for another uh, member of the events industry. I understand that, yeah. And it is, it is incredibly rewarding. I was walking around lots of uh, paper drinking cups around my office and I'm involved in a charity and they run a lot of uh, youth and um, social clubs for disabled people that have access needs and I said you must do you do you use paper cups well I mean they were I mean they were around picking them up within minutes and uh, and you just had this well they're out of my way but they're being really useful it was a lovely moment so you I can appreciate you get that all the time at the beginning of this I did say that I'm probably one of the people that ring you last minute um, some people you get a bit more involved in so what what is best practice if if there's somebody from an agency or somebody who is a, an event manager within a large corporate listening to this how's the best way to engage with you well well if we're gonna go ideal situation I bear bear in mind we've been there we know it doesn't necessarily work out like this. Starting from the very beginning, and I mean from the very beginning, with your procurement strategies, um, making sure that all the suppliers on board have green policies and good sustainability policies and ones that are evidenced, not just a statement. Um, and then looking at your um, your policies internally yourself, so you set a good example. Your guiding principles for the event, what you're going to focus on. You can't do 100% all of the time, but making sure that sustainability is a priority and not just environmental sustainability, social sustainability as well. And then moving into the event production process, making sure that sustainability is top of the list all the way through, making sure before you buy items, you know if they're where they're coming from, firstly, if they're made of recycled materials, if they are recyclable themselves, if you have a recycling route for them, that's very important. And then where they are going afterwards, whether that's back into higher stock or somewhere else. And that somewhere else should not be incineration or landfill. There's a lot of places that claim they have nothing to landfill, but a lot of it gets incinerated instead. So thinking about the whole entire process. And then, of course, trying to integrate social value into that planning process. Can you impact the community around your event? Can you get them involved in, in any way? And I mean building items, donating items from the event to them, offering employment opportunities and internships. There's lots of different ways you can get, them, get the community involved and not just turn up, run your event and leave. And then, of course, the asset dissolution at the, the end, where there's items that you have to have left over. And we know that does happen. We are all beholden to our clients' needs, making sure that they have a valuable end. So looking at charities, community groups and social enterprises that can reuse them before you consider the recycling route. You're reminding me of, of getting people involved earlier. I remember identifying that my, my brother needed some temporary carpeting uh, for a caravan and some other bits and pieces. And he was just musing this. And I was about to order a load of carpet for an event. 
so I, I pre-booked him. So it all kind of worked. It never left sight. It went straight to him. Brilliant. Well, it was brilliant, except, of course, we needed more carpet than he did. And so he was quite surprised when he, he backed up this van and we filled it with carpet. And there were just me smiling, saying, there we are. You've got enough for the rest of your life now. But uh, <laughs> it all went to a good cause in the end. I, I found theatres like carpet as well because they like it for drum risers and all sorts of other bits and pieces. So there's always a, there's always a place to put something, isn't there? There is. But I think that's where... Um, where it helps to have us involved as well because we know A, what charities and, uh, you know, everyone else that is in, in need of items, um, what they can take, what their capacities are. And we would never have someone turn up with a massive lorry with certainly, you know, added uh, stuff in the, without telling them just because we don't want to create waste. We don't want to just move the waste from the event over to a charity. Like they're not the... They're not the recycling people. They're, they're there to use the items. Um, and that's where we want to make sure that, you know, everyone just gets what they actually need and not just gets dumped with stuff. I absolutely understand what you're saying. I still like the moment when I, I frighten my brother with this pile of carpet. <laughs> I guess that's between you. I say, <laughs> yeah. but, but I hasten to say we, it, it, it all got used in, in an appropriate way, but it was a funny moment. So these charities, I, I guess there'll be charities listening. I, I've got a couple that I'm going to you know, make sure they listen to this podcast and uh, and get involved with you. But uh, how how do they get involved and get in touch? And, and how do you decide which ones you're going to help? Um, well, the process is really easy for signing up. You just go to our website, click the sign up um, button at the top, at the top right, register your organisation, including where you are, what you do and what you need. So there's a whole list of items that you can checklist. So that this is to make sure, like Karina said, that we're not sending you emails about stuff that you do not need and you won't use. And then the selection process, we do it on a first come, first serve approach on a local first basis. So that means that organisations in the area are impacted or offered items first. And also we do it on first come, first serve to make it a fair process. We couldn't possibly pick which charities are more worthy of an item so we send out the communications we don't have a set time we just do it as and when our clients say yes and that is the fairest way we think we can do it i i get the thing about the local thing because you don't particularly want to have to send some furniture from one end of the country to the next if there is a need you know half a mile down the road that does seem uh, sensible so i guess you're looking for people all over the uk is it just UK? No, it's not. Uh, at least not anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, we, um, we've started uh, doing uh, projects uh, all over the world, really. Uh, we did one this year in the States. Um, we did one recently in Germany, uh, one in France. So, um, yeah, wherever there is need, uh, we are uh, <laughs> open for business. <laughs> Excellent. Well... I, I do know that because I see the stats for this podcast and people do listen in, in places I would never imagine um, as, as far as well as North America. So um, maybe that's a bit too far, but you never know. You never know. <laughs> well, no, to be honest, it isn't. Because if we, you know, if we have a project in the States, um, all we need to do and if we haven't done an event there before, but all we need to do is um, a research project just to define what is possible, what charities there are in the area and whether the items that are coming off of the, uh, that event, whether there's homes for the items. And then once we've done that research project once, 
you know, if you come back to the same place over and over again, perfect. You just need to do that once and then it's it's set. And then we can always help you with with the items that you have. Um, so, yeah, get in touch. Certainly. I think you will get a few people getting in touch for sure. How's all this funded? Uh, self-funded. So the enterprises that want to get rid of items, they pay us to do so. They not only get items taken away and off their hands and out of out of the mind, <laughs> they also don't have to deal with the hassle of, of contacting charities and trying to find the right people, especially if they don't have the time usually to do that anyway. And um, and if they choose to, they also can get a, an amazing success story, which is basically a, a write-up detailing um, where the items have come from, where they are going, uh, what the charities are going to be doing with themes, and where we can we try and get photos of the items in use as well. And as an add-on, if they want to, they can also get a report from it. Um, so if it's a, a larger project, for example, we also offer more quantitative data. So... We do the, the social impact in pounds. Um, we do the carbon footprint avoided um, from items not having to go into landfill and the carbon footprint avoided of items not having to be purchased new by charities. We do the sustainable development goals that the charities represent that have received items. And we also look at the distance um, the items have to travel to get to their uh, new homes um, just to really demonstrate how close to the local communities will you try and place the items plus other stories. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's really important because in previous podcasts, we've talked about how important measurement is. If you don't actually know what it is, you can't manage it. So you have to measure it to manage it. And having the facts and figures come back so that you can put it back into your report is, is what some of these bigger projects definitely need. And it's communication. That's a big part as well. In, in industry as a whole does not communicate enough about this, the, the elements and the, the jobs that they do and the good that they do. Um, and we just need to do better at that, I think. And as far as the funding, it seems to be a no-brainer. I remember having a conversation oh, some while ago when we were going to get you to, to help us with something, and somebody said, oh, it's going to cost us this. And I said, it's going to cost us that at least just to hire a man with a van to take it to the skip. Correct. <laughs> this, you know, it's it's a no-brainer. You know, we're going to have to spend that sort of money anyway uh, to get it off-site and to, you know, just get it out of the warehouse office or wherever. So this is a much better way of doing it and it doesn't cost you any more money. No-brainer as far as I was concerned. It's almost like we designed it that way. Funny that. Yeah, clever. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Well, I don't know what to, uh, for the rest of the day. You, um, you know, I, I've got visions of all sorts of manner of of items that are going to be uh, coming through your website every day. Must be a, a fascination. I've got some more mundane event things to do, sadly, but I will get on with those. For people who are listening, who would love to to get involved, be they somebody who works in events and has stuff, they would like to move on sensibly and sustainably or whether they're listening as a charity, maybe you could just give us the website and all your contact details. Absolutely. Um, so our website, and this is in particular for charities who want to sign up with us, that's uh, www.eventcycle.org. Um, and for anyone who has items that they need to place or wants to integrate social impact into their events, or wants to talk to us about policies, um, best to get in contact with us via email. That is eventcycleuk at gmail.com. 
www.thepodcastnetwork.com. And I will put all those items on the uh, on the narrative of the of the podcast, so you should see in the description uh, those details as well. I've loved this. I think it's a brilliant idea. I, you know, the fact that you two do so much <laughs> to make all this happen, I think, is absolutely brilliant. And uh, I just Thank you. let it let it run and run and. Uh, let's let's see if we can get all event waste going through either your scheme or schemes like this because uh, I, I think it, it does solve so many problems as we try and uh, become more sustainable and it is sort of practical hands-on solutions we need as well as all the all the theory and the reporting. Absolutely, indeed. Thank you for having us. My guests today have been Karina and Chantel. They're both from Event Cycle. Thank you both for your time. Now you'll find. Podcasts focused on the event industry, linked to this one. Uh, we're adding to the library all the time. So do pop back and see us soon. I'm Martin Blunt. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.